Live from the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm here with John McMullen. Hi, John. Good afternoon, Todd. <laughs> you have car insurance, right? I do have car insurance. I have a question for you. Has you have you been contacted by your insurance company to tell you tell tell you that they're sending you money back? I have not yet heard from my friends at Mercury, but I've been reporting on a few different uh, insurance companies, like Allstate, that are uh, they're being a good neighbor, I guess, and uh, or uh, you're in good hands with them because they're writing checks like for fifty bucks back to people because people are doing less driving right now. Yeah, because um, I was saying uh, Geico's doing that. They think it's going to be about 150 per customer. They're giving 2.5 billion dollars back. And uh, let's see, there was yeah, there was Allstate, uh, 15%. They're giving 600 million back. It didn't say how much they were going to get, but there's a bunch of these that are happening. And what I fi- what I find interesting is that they're they've uh, put out feelers to the various other companies. You know, like. When are you going to do something about it? And they're all sort of hemming and hawing and saying, hmm, well, we, we don't, we have to figure out how we would give money back to people. <laughs> I, I can tell how them how they take, could give How about not take their next month's uh, uh, premium? Right. Or, the, or, you know, it's usually charged to somebody's credit card. You could credit the card. I mean, you know, if they're really worried about a way to do it. I think they hard. only understand debit. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, I, I also read an article that said that um, that they're getting away cheap on this. That they're really they're in uh, that the car insurance companies are in for a huge windfall for this because accidents, of course, are way down because people are not driving, right. and you know they're so they're really making out like bandits. And they're you know they they seem like they're good neighbors, okay, by giving you fifty or a hundred dollars back, but it really should be more than that Todd, because most people are. Paying a lot more than that per month. Let me ask a question because I recall this being something that was a thing, I don't know, a decade or more ago. I remember talking about this. uh, And that is that in the state of California, aren't insurance companies capped at how much profit they can make before they have to return uh, a certain amount of difference to their customers anyway? You know, I remember that back then. I don't know if that's still the case, though. That There might have been some sort of change in the law that made them do that at that time, because I don't remember ever getting money back from a company after that. Well, I do remember that at the time, but I don't remember anything since that. It may be, though, that this is something that's still in place. And while it hasn't triggered uh, such an event in the past, the fact is now is that with them paying less out to cover the uh, settlements that they make for you know paying for accidents and so on, that perhaps... Uh, they're just doing this under the guise of being a good neighbor. And mm-hmm. in fact, maybe they're required to do it by law anyway. And that's possible, but they're doing this in all the other states. I've seen it for several other states already. So it, it's not just California. Okay. So well. it's a, it is across the board that they're doing it. I think they've been shamed into some of it. I just don't know. I just think that it, it'll be interesting because the, uh, there's a state, the study out of UC Davis that said that, accidents have dropped by 50 percent you know well i would hope so with the roads being i mean we talked about this last week i think i asked you towards the end of the show uh how the 405 was these days (laughs) nice and empty it was wonderful yeah so i mean i drove i drove to an appointment in santa monica this week it usually takes me 35 minutes i did it in 20 
uh, that you know, I had to stop at some stoplights, you know, but I mean, it, it was the best it's been. And I can't even remember in, in recent memory, I guess, you know, 20 years, it hasn't been that good. So, yeah, I mean, a, it's way down, but we're not getting 50% of our premium back. I bet. <laughs> Probably I bet not. They're not giving it back. No, of course not. Because, you know, um, they've got to be there like a good neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Somebody the, still has to go and answer present. the phone. Yeah. Yes, of course. Well, uh, you know, we, everything is COVID nine these days, COVID nineteen these days. So I, I'll just sort of run through it. Every car company is has sales that were hit badly. Uh, the U.S. sales are down. Worldwide sales are down. Uh, Europe is way down. You know, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty percent in some cases. Uh, but that's because you know they they had the first month or two of sales this year. And so, you know, those were pretty good, but then they really took a, a dive for the, for the third month of the quarter of, you know, the first quarter. So that's bad. Uh, dealerships are closed. Uh, Michigan got so desperate that they actually allowed dealers to sell over the internet now for the first time. They've had a block on, on four states have a block on being able to sell over, over the internet. Are you kidding and, me? I uh, had no idea. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Four states and, and Michigan, I guess, the, the, you know, the, the, lots of times they did this just to keep Tesla out. But um, now they're now they're realizing maybe it's not such a bad idea to sell up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, you know, everything is bad. COVID-19 bad, everything bad. So uh, I, I did I did happen to see and I have to read this because this is funny. This was at a grocery store. Uh, Dear shoppers, due to the recent outbreak of stupidity and panic purchasing by complete idiots, the nation is completely experiencing, currently experiencing a shortage of toilet paper and common sense. Expect supplies to be replenished once these sheep-minded morons have all starved to death in their homes, surrounded by toilet paper, but without anything to eat. (laughs) Okay, I got got to love that because, I mean, all of us have been, you know, shopping or whatever. And, you know, know, the ridiculous shortage of these things. So, all right, that's that's enough of me for. I almost feel like, you know, it would have been smart if people back in the early days of the hoarding of the toilet paper had taken photographs of people as they were leaving these stores with their umpteen packages of toilet paper and then we publish those much the way that we shamed those white supremacists in charlottesville a few years that's ago right yeah that's not a bad idea but you know, that's still going on at costco today i mean i've seen this i mean i've seen pictures on tv it's the same thing is still going on yeah but they're yeah. at least now they're limiting how many uh yeah, units they, somebody they, can right. walk out of the store and, with and, and they do that at grocery stores too so uh, yeah, at least there's some limit but it's still kind of ridiculous. All right, well, let's turn to some more happy things. Mazda turns 100 this year. So they've been in business for 100 years. Vroom, um, vroom, vroom. Well, but that only was later. Mazda started out in life as 1920 as a cork manufacturer. What? Cork. Within a decade, they were producing a rickshaw based on a motorcycle platform. Uh, the, the first car didn't come until 1960 which is when I was born. It was just uh, 25 years after the Japanese surrendered World War II, but things were very different after the years of the Marshall Plan and reconstruction of the Japanese economy. The cars, uh, the company's first car was a S, was a, yeah, S350 coupe, 360 coupe, you know, uh, whose uh, com- combination of burgundy and white. There was a burgundy body and a white top. 
uh, applied to high grade, uh, you know, models. Those were the expensive models. They got the special two tone inspired modern Mazdas. So there's going to be a line of 2020 Mazdas that will be painted in the similar similar colors. So you know, wait. Uh, so the in, as opposed to like companies like General Motors that had those panel sides on the station wagons. Um, oh yes. did, And Ford and, and you know those companies. Uh, did they actually have maybe like exteriors that had partial cork on them? Uh, no, there were there was no cork. The, 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 I'm pretty sure that that was the you know that went away during the uh, the early part of their their you know their existence. I mean, if they were producing rickshaws with motorcycle platforms, I, I'm sure pretty sure the cork wasn't the most important ingredient in those in those cars. Probably but, not. Yeah, but the but the first car they did was what they call a key K E I car. These are very this is a very Japanese thing. They're, they're, that's my dog. There's these little tiny they're, they're these little tiny cars, I mean really small cars. They weigh less than 850 pounds, so they're re, you know really small and uh, really lightweight. And they had a you know rear rear mounted motor, and it was the first one was just a motorcycle engine, basically stuck inside you know a, a you know a, a, a uh, a little car. Uh, it wasn't until 1965 or so that they signed a licensing agreement with NSU of Germany. NSU is part of a Volkswagen group at the time, and then it's been merged out of existence. But NSU was a car company in Germany, and they had the license for the Wankel rotary engine. Mm. And so the first, the first, uh, the, the first one was the uh, Cosmo. Um, uh, 110S sports car in 1967, and it was the first one that had a rotary engine. They've been doing it ever since. Now, Mazda hasn't had a rotary model in their lineup for a while now. Uh, but that was their had, big thing for a long time, right? It was. It zoom, zoom, you know, the whole thing. And they yeah. used to have at least the sports car with, with, the, with the rotary engine. But uh, it got the problem with the rotary engine is that it, making it meet emissions requirements was very, very, very difficult. And getting it to have a uh, low end torque was also difficult and expensive. Maybe but, for some of the younger uh, listeners in our audience, explain what a rotary engine was. Well, it, okay. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a circle. It's my dog's complaining in the back. It's a circle. It's like a, it's like a round thing. And it's like a, inside of that is like a triangle and that it goes and the thing goes in a circle around and around and around and it opens and closes the ports as it goes around. It's like having a, this, this, this triangle rotor basically is like having cylinder heads except, and, and you could have double rotors, which would be more like having from a four to an, you know, like a three to a six cylinder engine type of thing um but they, they never were so if you've never seen it you, you can go online and look at these things they're they're very unique as far as that goes and uh you know but what mazda says that they think that they're going to do is that they've made a, an electric car for the u.s mark i mean for the for the rest of the world and because it has such a limited range like 110 120 miles they weren't going to bring it to the united states but they now think that they'll bring it to the United States, but it will have a range extender and the range extender will be a little rotary engine inside of it. Hmm. So, you know, it, BMW did that with the, the I, you know, their i3 that they came out with it. It had either electric version or a range extender version and BMW used one of their motorcycle engines, you know, because BMW makes motorcycles as well. And they used one of their motorcycle <laughs> engines to, um, to do that. So, um, that's interesting what they'll do. Okay, Toyota has been hesitant for a long time to enter the EV market. And while its strategy of hybrids for every model in the US seems to be working for now, this approach won't cut it in China, uh, which requires sales of electric cars to clean uh, pollution. I mean, if you've ever seen China, 
uh, well, before the before the pandemic, it was just a disaster. During the pandemic, it was actually clean. Uh, so Toyota's partnered with BYD. They formed a joint venture, so it's 50-50, uh, where they're going to develop, uh, you know, EVs together. BYD will join, uh, you know, with, the, with their battery partner, Panasonic, and uh, CATL, which is also a Chinese battery company, and they're all going to get together and develop EVs and t- because Toyota needs to have them. Plus, they're going to use the same platform. Um, Subaru is, a quote, an affiliate of Toyota, uh, which means that Toyota owns like 20% of them. And in Japan, that cult, that means you're an affiliate. So what they'll do is, uh, since Subaru doesn't have an electric car in the United States either uh, or, or anywhere, and they're going to have to have it, uh, they'll be using Toyota's platform and battery technology to make their own EV. Hmm. So there, that'll be something. Um, let's see. Uh the latest powertrain in the Tesla Model S and X is called the Raven. Raven runs on motor motor control unit two, which is basically a little computer. But there will also be what's called a plaid version. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Spaceballs, everything is named after a Spaceballs, something in Spaceballs. That's how we got ludicrous mode and all the other th- sorts of weird things that are that are part of um, Tesla, you know, their their lexicon. Uh, so they're going to have plaid version, which will be a three-motor powertrain. It'll be one up front and two in the rear. Um, Tesla's going a step further, though, and you'll love this one, John. They're, they've uh, upgraded their. They have their own air suspension that they they design. Uh, it's a it's fully adapted for every wheel, uh, giving the car sort of an ultra cushy feeling, and then you know very responsive when you want it uh, during uh, you know what they call dynamic dra- driving mode. Now, when you do a ludicrous mode, which is their really fast mode you put it in what they call launch control and you put your foot on the brake and you put your foot on the accelerator full. So you brake and accelerator. Hey Todd, hold that, hold that thought. We've got to take a break. We'll continue with more in just a moment. All right. We'll be right back. from the desert cities of Southern California. Your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hello, sir. And before the break, we were talking about this new thing that Tesla's doing with their with their um, their fast cars. So to put a, to put a Tesla into um, what they call launch control mode, which means it gets you to ludicrous. And it, 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 there's a screen that pops up and says, uh, do I need my mommy? And you say no, and it, it goes into ludicrous mode. Okay. Ludicrous. So, you, ludicrous, yes. So you put your foot on the accelerator and the, all the way down and you put your foot on the brake and that automatically tells it that you want to go into launch mode. Well, apparently the, they have a new version. What they're doing is that if you you know, you wait for it to say launch mode enabled on the screen, and then you release the brake pedal. But there is a fourth step if you want to get it going even faster. It will, what it will do is they call it cheetah mode. It will go into cheetah mode. So your car will look like a cheetah. The front will go down a little further and the back will be up a little higher with the air suspension so that it can launch even faster. Wow. So you go from ludicrous to ludicrous with cheetah. Okay. But, yeah, they can do that with their air air suspension. So you you go very very fast. I mean, they, you know, it's like zero to sixty in two point three two point four seconds. So it's quick. Okay, we know that Mercedes Benz has an electric S class coming very soon. Uh, it'll be it's been in development for a while now. And we are 
uh, maybe a year away from the production ver version. It's called the EQS, uh, and it's uh, said to have a pair of electric motors. There'll be one in front and then one in the rear axle for 470 horsepower. Well, that's not enough, as we all know. Uh, Autocar Magazine is uh, reporting that uh, more is always better. So Mercedes has greenlit what they call the EQS AMG which will push power up to 600 horsepower and 663 pound-feet of torque. So apparently the brass at Mercedes are aware that Tesla is juicing up the Model S with plaid powertrain. And even if the even the EQS AMG won't be able to beat it, it would they'll still at least have a performance model to offer customers uh, at the at whatever time it may be. Uh, but the plaid uh, with the is uh, right now the current one. We don't know what Plaid is going to be, but the current P100D, which is the uh, Model S uh, Performance 100 dual motor with Ludicrous Plus, uh, has 672 horsepower and 723 pound-feet of torque and does zero to 60 in 2.4 seconds. So that's what it does now. And I doubt that they're going, Mercedes is going to be able to beat it. Now, Autocar has another interesting report about Bentley. Bentley won't replace its flagship sedan. It's called the Mulsanne, uh, and they will not replace it. Why? Because sales are not good enough for them to waste the money engineering a new car and new powertrain that will meet future crash and emission standards. So what's Bentley going to do? They're going to build a bigger SUV because that's whatever yes so they're going to have it their their flagship will be right now there's they have the bentley bentega which is a hideous uh suv that's based on the the cayenne and the uh vw Touareg and the audi a7 platform it's all the same car but with different bodies on it so the bentega is what they have right now and by the way that's their best-selling car uh it's it's by far it's it represents 47 percent of all their sales right wow. now it's one model the bentega the hideous thing so they figure they could sell four or five hundred sedans a year but they can easily sell five thousand uh suvs so what are they going to do they're going to get rid of the sedans or they're not going to waste their time on smaller you know on the bigger sedans and they're just going to make a bigger suv because i guess that's what everybody wants Everybody got to be up at the same height on the freeway. People like being high. Well, I mean, you know, people like <laughs> people, people people like having yes, being up at a certain level. You know, yeah. there may be they may be they may also be high on the road. <laughs> that I'm sure the is way the case. some of them drive, I have no doubt. I have no doubt too. <laughs> okay, uh, well, there is some good news for Mercedes Benz well-heeled wagon buyers. Uh, when the two when the 2021 E-Class uh, sedan and wagon were announced uh, in March, they said that the uh, we're not going to get the wagon here. We're only going to get what they call the uh, E450 all-terrain. So they're going to put some hideous black cladding on it and pump it up by a few inches because, you know, that's what Americans want. So uh, that's they've, they've sold this model in Europe for uh, several years now, but it's never come to the United States. But they decided not to bring the wagon here, you know, just the regular wagon. Instead, they're going to have this, you know, beefed up thing that looks horrible. Uh, but they decided that they're going to relent it. They are going to bring the wagon here, but you can only buy it in the AMG form. So, I mean, so, you, okay. So it's, uh, what it is, is the, um, it'll be a 2021 AM Mercedes AMG E63 wagon with a four liter twin turbo V8. It makes 603 horsepower, 627 pound feet of torque. It means it's fast. Uh, and it will, um, uh, 
the, the current one, E63, the 2020 model, starts at 111,000. Lightly optioned, it's 124,000. So if you have some money, you can buy you could, the, the regular wagon, except you had to buy the AMG version. You don't get the regular version. Wow. Well, I- yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's tough for the rich people in this world, but there, you know, again, this is what's happened where, you know, a lot of times, you know, they wish just, I could afford just, that. I wish I could afford it too. <laughs> It'd be terrific. So <laughs> it would be very nice to have that. Anyway, you're listening to all revved up. This is Todd Bianco and we're here with John McMullen. Uh, and we'll be right back after these words. From the desert cities of Southern California, your car is not a refrigerator. Getting all revved up. Now, here's Todd Bianco. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMullen. Hello, John. Hello there. Did you ever have Hot Wheels when you were a kid? I did have Hot Wheels when I was a kid. I was fortunate enough to have a friend of the maternal side of my family who worked for a company called Mattel. Yes. And did you know uh, the history of Mattel? Uh, I don't know an awful lot about it. I just know that as a kid, I was very lucky to get a lot of Mattel-oriented toys. They had some great stuff. Well, I I, I was reading this article. I thought a little bit of history was interesting. It's like, I've never heard of this this guy named Harold Matson, M-A-T, and they call him, it was nicknamed Matt, and uh, Elliot and Ruth Handler. Uh, I didn't hear them either, but in 1945, before the end of World War II, they formed a new company and called it Mattel Creations. So it's his name, Matt, and uh, Handler. It, you know, that's where the the end of it comes from. It's the two names put together, Mattel. Mm. Uh, today, you can probably you know name only two of their toys. You know, which would be you know, Barbie, of course, with with her you know sexless boyfriend Ken, uh-huh. and Hot Wheels. Uh, Hot Wheels first appeared in 1968, just in time for you know this eight-year-old Todd uh, to love and uh, love and beg his parents for these cars for Christmas for 1968, which I did get. They did give me some some cars. I, I still remember you know, those uh, those creamsicle orange track pieces with these yes. uh, almost like raspberry reddish pieces that went between them to hold them together. That's right. I still have them. Yeah. I still have them in a box. I have the superchargers oh, and I have cool. the loop and everything. I still, yeah. I don't know why, but I kept it all. So I love that stuff. And you, you put them together and it was, yeah. They, they, I well, was I used to collect uh, the Hot Wheels and the Matchbox cars. And then mm-hmm. uh, five years after I came around, my little brother uh, arrived on the scene and my folks insisted that I had to share. And, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and where I kept them all in meticulous shape, um, mm-hmm. he took them out and decided that they were fair game for the sandbox and uh, that was about uh, the end of that 
Ah, that that is sad. So, yeah. um, you know, it's so what you know. So, what does this have to do? But the magic of Hot Wheels was that the, the is that their suspension system, and uh, you didn't realize that the the wheel axles were replaced by a flexible steel wire rigidly mounted inboard on the chassis that allowed the outboard ends of you know the ax of the axles to flex. And if you remember those cars, you could push them, and they would you know the bounce back up. So that gave them their suspension. Uh, the narrow diameter of the polished uh, wired uh, wires combined with the Durland bearings that were inside the hard plastic wheels resulted in low friction, which means they were fast. And so the first the first thing that they made, Mattel made, was a ukulele called Uke a Doodle. That was their first <laughs> toy in 1940, 1947. Uh, they were experimenting just before Hot Wheels came out. They were experimenting with a new guitar that they were trying to make that would be like perm- a child's guitar, kind of like the ukulele, but it would stay in tune. Uh, it didn't work out because it was going to be too uh, too expensive. But what happened was is they had like tons of this hot, uh, I mean, this uh, not hot, but this, they had tons of this tempered wire that was just sitting around in stock. And that's when they started using that to experiment with the prototypes. It's just sort of like, you know, by accident, yeah. you know, they were going to make a guitar and they had this steel, you know, steel wire basically hanging around the shop. And they uh, basically used that to, to make the suspension for what they then patented for at uh, for Hot Wheels. So, and that's what made them fun is that they were, you know, they rolled fast. Matchbox never rolled fast. If you remember, they were not, you know, real fast cars. If I recall, they had just kind of like a steel peg um, axle on those cars and kind of not the fanciest wheels. Yeah, that that's true. They were not the they were not the best, but that's what made Hot Wheels special is that they would go fast. Uh, So I thought that was a pretty cool thing. That is. Um, Yep. Uh, so, but they're so now that was fit for Hot Wheels is fifty years old, and not fifty two years old now. But uh, it was an, an interesting story that I thought was there. And I ordered my my prototype Tesla Cybertruck. By the way, Hot Wheels it has not come yet. Uh, I see. You're not ordering the the full size one, just the uh, uh, what, well. One, I mean, the full size one. Whenever two hundred fiftieth version. Yes. Well, you know, Elon Musk has said that he will be driving the uh, the, the plaid version of the Cybertruck, which will be the fastest one. That will be his car to drive. <laughs> what the okay, hell? Okay, whatever. Okay. Yeah. We finally have some justice for a douchebag, and I know you'll like this story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which one? <laughs> well, the, <laughs> well, okay, this was all over social media. It's a driver of what was called a Jambala Mirage GT. Now, what that what a Jambala GT is, it's basically a Porsche Carrera GT. Now, these are very expensive. They were made like in 2004, 2005. They had a V10 mounted behind the driver. I mean, these were very fast. This was the car that, um, what's his name from Fast and Furious, uh, Paul Walker. Uh, that's the car he died in. Mm. Driving the the Carrera GT. Well, this, there are 15 of these cars were made. They were made by this aftermarket tuner called Jambala. And... Um, this was uh, the car was uh, being driven through Midtown Manhattan at seven thirty in the morning, and uh, the owner of the car, a, a rich idiot named Benjamin Chen, was arrested following a series of crashes around seven thirty a.m. on Tuesday. The car wasn't stolen, but was being driven by Chen 
when the incident occurred. He's been, ch- he's been charged with operating a motor vehicle while impaired by drugs and reckless driving. Uh, Chen fancies himself a social influencer on Instagram, and he made, but he made his money by, he's the founder of what they call the Gold Rush Rally, which is some sort of, you know, it's where a lot of really rich people get together so that they can show off their exotic cars to their friends. You know, they pay $7,000 each or more to get into one of these rallies and they can only, only 100 cars are allowed in. So this is, I bet, I guess how he made his money. But um, so what happened was, he, you know, he, so he, he owns his own extensive collection, as a matter of fact. And they think that he bought this car, this particular Porsche Carrera GT in 2014. Um, so the car, struck, first of all, the car struck several vehicles along 11th Avenue on the, um, on the west side of Manhattan before. And then he tried to flee the scene. That's okay, smart. so before eventually coming to a stop uh, on 44th Street, uh, just north of the Javits Center, which is you know net being used as the field hospital for the coronavirus, the video shows the driver losing control of the car right around on 11th Avenue while crossing West 49th, crashing into what appears to be a, a parked Toyota Sienna, which is a minivan. Then he, additional video shows the car speeding away f- after that collision, and then he loses control again because the car was wrecked. I mean, how it even drove, who knows? Yeah. Uh, he lost control again, and he hit, then he hit several more parked cars wow. <laughs> right, along, right along the street. And, you know, this, it, it was weird because Midtown Manhattan is usually very, very busy at 730 in the morning. Right. And it Although wasn't 11, obvious. 11th Avenue is essentially, that's the West Side Highway. And, right. and so people can move along that at a pretty good clip. But uh, as you're coming through all those cross streets, 49th Street is right in, you know, inner, er, as it goes from uh, west to east, goes right through the heart of Midtown Manhattan and it does. Times Square. So yeah. that's a pretty busy area. It, but it wasn't busy in the videos that I looked at because, you know, you can, you can go to Twitter or Instagram and find the yeah. videos of him doing this. Uh, it wasn't very big. There were cars, you know, there were taxis. And you could was see this the, a Sunday? <laughs> uh, no, this was Tuesday, oh. 730 in the morning. But it wasn't that busy considering, you know, what's what's happening well, what's in New York going City on right now. now. Right. Yeah. So right now it wasn't as busy, but they arrested him and uh, charged him with a bunch of things. And so finally he got something coming to him which is uh, going to car. rikers where he's going to end up with covid19 and then probably well, die i probably won't feel that sorry for him i mean i don't wish that on anybody well there's a couple people i might wish it on but i don't really wish that on anybody but it's a uh, you know it's uh, one, one of those things i guess so yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I was reading the Detroit news cause I read that paper, but just because I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in, you know, cause it's the hometown paper, so to speak. Gas is below a dollar a gallon there. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, so, and they show pictures of it. Like there's a Costco please, that had, please, it for, please drive. <laughs> they had a Costco for 89 cents a gallon. Holy smokes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I we don't see anything close to that here, and we're told that you know we have. Um, Just so uh, folks you know, know uh, the taxes and fees here in the Golden State that everybody always talks about between all the state and the municipal uh, and county fees that can be added up, uh, add up to at most about eighty four cents more than what the national average should be. So anything right. else that's being made is is uh, basically a windfall to the oil company. Yeah, it's it's completely, you know, the national average 
was a dollar ninety one last week or yeah. this week. I mean, this current week, and it was a, in Michigan. It was a dollar fifty eight. So that's what I'm comparing it to. We're not even close to the national average because most of the most of what I see is what in the mid threes. No, well, I don't know about there. I you're no, over in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, here in the Coachella Valley, uh, I purchased it two forty four nine at Costco uh, last week. Okay, yeah, they're the cheapest, I would assume. Probably they're one of the yeah, but it was yeah. There were several places that were down around uh, between two forty nine and two fifty seven a gallon here in the desert. Yeah. Uh, the, the study that I read from uh, California said that th- they thought that driving was down 50%. The one in Detroit said it was down, Wayne County, which is where Detroit Metro is, right. was down 71%. And Macomb County, which was right near there, was 74%. And in Oakland County, was 81% down. Now, they're not giving us back enough on that insurance, I'm convinced of it. But we're also getting, you know, really raked over the coals on the price of gas. I mean, we're, we're you know, it's down to what was it 20 something dollars a barrel now you know during for this russian saudi you know tiff or whatever they're having yeah i mean they're it's kind of disturbing that it's that it's that bad that we're getting you know hit that hard for it because as you said that i know everyone complains about the taxes here but there are you know there are reasons that we have the sales tax and all of that and by the way the sales tax is variable it depends on the price of, of the underlying uh, gallon of gas oh so, too I mean, bad that, so sad all those saudi princes are not going to be out buying more bentleys now and then you know they're just going to wait for the suvs Oh, BF and who? Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> get me the small violin. I really want to play that. Right I know now. you do. <laughs> it's because it's, yeah. it's pretty bad. I just get that thumb and that middle and forefinger busy now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, I just don't feel that sorry for it. Uh, let's see. Um, a study in the UK found that the uh, COVID 19 pandemic has increased the likelihood that consumers would buy electric cars. Uh, there's a Venso Automotive Solutions, which is a fleet management company, conducted the survey of 200 UK customers this month. Uh, this was right you know, last week. The, uh, and they asked, has the effect of the current COVID-19 lockdown made you change your mind about buying electric cars? The reason they're asking that is because apparently, like in all the places, pollution in London is so far down, people can actually see the skies and mountains and things. So they're enjoying clean air for the first time in, you know, ages. Right. And um, the firm found that 45% of the respondents were considering buying an EV after seeing how clear the air was. Additional 17% had already decided to buy an electric car and were even more certain about their decision now. So that makes about 62% of UK customers in the survey that were ready to go electric. And of the 45% who said they were considering an electric car, 19% said they would uh, their next purchase would be electric. The others said that they would become electric within five years. Now, I don't think that's going to happen here because of the size of the country. You know, obviously the UK is much smaller, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, harbinger of things to come i think is that right. you know as as more things roll out we'll see more people you know, wanting to buy an ev you know as it is tesla's made itself an aspirational you know aspirational and you aspire to buy a, a tesla these days because it's considered a coveted luxury car in some circles uh and that's what made it sort of give it give its halo along with elon musk but i think you know the porsche Taycan and the ones that are coming from News, weather, truth, and fun. We're iHub Radio, homegrown in the Coachella Valley.
for the love of cars. This is All Revved Up. Here's Todd. Welcome back. I'm here with John McMillan. Hello, John. I thought I would go through this. This is um, an interesting article I found about what's happening in Detroit. I mean, what the car companies are doing uh, to help the COVID-19 response. And um, just to sort of outline what they're doing. Uh, for example, this uh, this uh, lady could have waited for Ford to shut down. Instead, she's helping to make thousands and thousands of face shields for healthcare workers uh, and first responders. Um, so, so Ford is doing this whole. They've re- retooled some of their factories, so they're making face shield, and the, the workers are wearing the face shields and face masks themselves. So they're making it for their workers as well as to give to first responders who are you know who are you know, on the front lines of this. And it's not just in the Detroit area, which by the way, is a, is a hot spot of the pandemic, but uh, they're working 12 hours a day now uh, just to, just to, you know, crank these things out. And they have people emailing them you know, everywhere saying how desperate they are and they're shipping things out every day. This is because, you know, we don't have a very good, you know, federal response to this. Uh, General Motors CEO Mary Barra <clears throat> told the company task force created for the effort. Every day we slow down, uh, is a day someone's life is at risk. So she says that you know, the vice president of global purchasing and supply chain recalling the meeting, we don't have any experience in doing this. In our minds, we didn't know it, it could be done, so we made it happen. So what they're doing, the, the pace of progress is unlike anything uh, that, that they've done at the Troy, the Troy, uh, Detroit, Michigan Design Center. Uh, For 30 years, he worked for Ford. And the facial projects took over 200,000 square feet uh, of their Plymouth facility on Tuesday, the 24th of March. So they they did this pretty quickly. We ran like 1,000 units and then ramped up to 4,000 units. uh, And by Thursday, they ran to 25,000 units. So elastic for these shields, uh, shield bands were in short supply from the start, but a Ford supplier, uh, which the company declined to name, opened its doors and its parts been at 4 a.m. to provide weather stripping for, to, to supplement uh, to supplement what they were doing to to make the you know, the electric the, the the elastic part of the bands. So the electric staplers being used, however, weren't cutting through the rubber tube. Uh, Ford found a non-latex rubber band that worked and made a very automotive request to a very unautomotive supplier to provide 200,000 bands in 48 hours. So, and they, they, they got them ready. Um, That's great. They, uh, yeah. Then, then they, you know, learned instead of uh, stapling the weather stripping to the shields, the company could, uh, you know, use common push pins uh, used for other vehicles to fasten the parts. Uh, so they did that. They, they got it all together. Uh, and uh, so they're doing that. And then, and now they have, they're about to 1.2 million face shields have been shipped already to medical workers. It would be nice if these were actually coordinated though, to uh, Detroit, California, Florida, and New York. Uh, the goal is to make a million a week. And there's demand for 9 million right now. Wow. Wow. Um, likewise, the United States uh, needs ventilators, uh, devices that help uh, patients' uh, respiratory illness, illnesses to breathe uh, in severe cases. Uh, in mid-March, the Society of Critical Care Medicine estimated that uh, 960,000 U.S. COVID-19 patients would need ventilators. That's a lot. That's nearly a million, with only about 200,000 available. Medical equipment manufacturers are scrambling to increase production, but they can't do the size of something that that, that can be done in Detroit. Uh, The biggest challenge is taking a product that 
just over two days is made uh, that just that just over two days is made or a 10 week um, scaling that had to be you know done literally overnight uh, so they make seven thousand in the week in the future we will ramp up uh, the Blue Oval plans, which is Ford, obviously plans to produce it by Independence Day, by July 4th, 50,000 copies of the Florida-based Aeron Corp's simple, uh, approximately $7,000 uh, air-powered ventilators uh, at one of its plants in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, Ford will provide the devices to GE Healthcare. Uh, the request echoes the historic arsenal of democracy transformed uh, GM and Ford Chrysler during World War II. Uh, they simplified the machines and put them back to work that way. So Ford's ventilators project is part of the Trump administration's uh, goal, producing 100,000 ventilators in 100 days. Um, and it looks like they're probably going to be doing it there. GM has partnered with uh, Washington-based Ventec Life Systems uh, and its Kokomo operation for its electric components in uh, Indiana. Uh, so then they've gone on to say, uh, Project Five. Uh, Mary Barra took a phone call from Kenneth uh, Chenault, an American Express company um, CEO who founded uh, Stop the Spread to activate the company's uh, help to co- combat the, the virus. Uh, their chat led to a conversation with Ventec. So uh, everybody's taking the the um, the, uh, the the lead with this and and going because there's you know there's this desperate need. Uh, th- this was an interesting one. Um, by the evening of March 20th, General Motors had organized a conference call with the suppliers to ask for their help with an effort uh, dubbed Project 5. Uh, Mary Abara, Project V, actually, which is for V for ventilator, obviously. Um, she asked the uh, team to determine within 48 hours where all 419 of the ventilator parts, as well as their thousands of sub-assemblies, could be acquired. It was kind of a call to action. Are you in? Are you out? Uh, it was director of... Uh, for for sales for the Flexgate, which makes metals, plastics, and other parts for General Motors. Uh, He texted the company saying, you can imagine the call I'm on right now. Literally within seconds, they were responding, we're in. You don't know know, what you're in for, you just just know we are in. So uh, they had uh, Ventec FedEx, one of its devices to uh, Michigan. Uh, General Motors disassembled it, laying the pieces on a conference room table where they idled uh, the war and transmission plant. Uh, the company disinfected the space between teams of suppliers, each donning masks and gloves and taking photographs and measuring the parts to determine what the companies could make. Each general, each of GM's 120 member purchasing team uh, became the CEO of at least one part and the responsibility for coordinating and manufacturing logistics and quality. So, you know, each person took a, you know, responsibility for one part. Uh, and, you know, even when they were more complex, they would have to go to sub-assemblies to find out what they were going to do. One circuit board had 1,200 components sourced from uh, companies uh, in India, Malaysia, and in, uh, that were in the deep supply chain. So uh, within 48 hours, 95% of the parts were sourced. Uh, the, last 90, the last 5% were secured by early afternoon the following day, and Fluxgate will begin manufacturing seven injection molds for each device in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, there, so they're even using head, the Tenneco is using headlight harness wiring to uh, light up the ventilators. So they're using that in, in a, you know, a creative way as well. Well, that's so really good. Been, yeah, they've been doing it. So I think this is really good what's happening. And so they're trying. Well, Todd, and I'm going to go get my uh, trailer hitched up. And in the I, next hour, right. I gonna, think you are too. 
And we're going to bring trailer next uh, time when we come back after the break. This is Todd Biongo and John McMullen. You're listening to All Ripped Up on iHub Radio. Radio. 